He said, now look at this. What God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. But it was, he said it was God's kindness, but God worked his kindness through people. Y'all get that? God worked his kindness in the earth through people. So therefore, if you don't have an attitude or heart for kindness, it ain't going to get done. Ain't going to come down and be kind to folk? You got to do it. And God is working that through you. And so here he's trying to encourage them. Now, when we talk about kindness and being kind to people, you know, it's just kindness. They talk about being friendly, being generous, and being considerate. You know, I don't think God is asking too much of you. Tell you to just be friendly with folk. Be considerate of others. You know, and be generous. And a lot of times, things that God asks us to do is not that hard, but sometimes we have to set our will in agreement with God. Because if we don't set our will in agreement with God, even though God is asking us to be kind to people, we won't do it. And, and a lot of times, people think kindness got something to do with your feelings and your emotions. It is not an emotional issue, it's a will issue. Amen. Our emotions keep us from being kind. It's our will that calls us to be kind. And so he says that now look, he want God to want to work this kindness through the churches in Macedonia. Now he was kind of using those churches to kind of, in a nice way, you know, uh, I would call it a tactful way to kind of stick his finger in the Corinthians' eye. Because they should have been completing what they started. So he didn't come out in real hard, but what he did, he took smaller, inferior churches and used them as an example to challenge the bigger, stronger church to do what they said they were going to do. And you know, sometimes when we don't do what God calls us to do, he'll show us somebody else doing it. You know, he give you that idea, that vision, that dream, or whatever, and you ain't doing nothing with it. He'll let you live long enough to see somebody else doing what you ought to be doing. And then you get mad and be jealous of other folks when all you had to do was act on what God told you to do. There are a lot of people in this world who are looking at things that they had ideas of, but they didn't have the guts to go forth and do it. And somebody else had that same idea. And now you're saying, man, those people, I had that idea years ago. I'll give you a good example. I didn't even know it was going to be an idea when I was coaching football. And it was always difficult trying to get plays in on time. You know, you got to run a player in or you got to have all these hand signals and all that. And I said to myself, and we created it. I said, man, we're going to come up with a format where we can put all the plays on the quarterback's wrist. I created this little elastic band with some plastic on it and wrote the plays down. And so now, instead of having to go this, that, and all that, and all that for a play, all I had to do was flash a number, five. You look at number five, call the play. And I see people doing that today on TV in the NFL. That was my idea. That was my idea. Back in 1985, I had that idea. But I ain't do nothing with it. And now when I look at that, I say, man, somebody probably got rich off that idea. And I'm over in Germany with that same idea, but did not know how to bring it, you know, into, into the future. And all I had to do was say, man, this is a good idea. I need to find somebody that can patent this thing and let's create it and call it the Boldenator. And I probably wouldn't be here now. (laughs) Amen. I'd be like the guy that's running Nike, man. I'd be all right. And what I'm trying to say in a very funny way is a lot of time you see things that God has showed you to do, somebody else is doing it, and you say, man, they making mad cash of my idea. And what I try to tell people, if it's a good idea from God, he ain't going to just give it to you. Because he knows you may not do it. He's going to give it to somebody else too. Till he finds someone that's going to do what he's required of us to do. And so what Paul is doing here, he was saying, now look, this kindness was done through people. And they were showing their kindness to the churches in Jerusalem 
But now he was talking about how the people in Macedonia was doing it. The smaller region, Paul had had a vision where God told him to go into Macedonia. They were poor over there. So look, he makes it clear. Verse 2, he says, now look, they are being tested by many troubles. You know, you've been following Paul. Everywhere he went and preached, trouble started. So when he went to preach over there, these people believed, and because they believed, trouble started. And in your life, every now and then, when you want to make changes for the good, sometimes trouble just starts. You know, people don't want to see you make changes that's going to benefit and, and be a blessing to your life, especially if you are pulling away from someone else who's doing something that you used to do. And, and so he was saying here, because he was carrying this gospel, trouble started everywhere he went. He said they were in the midst of trouble, and they are very poor. They ain't just poor. He said they're, they're, they're poor. But glory, he go out the way to let us know that they are very poor. Now, some people think you're just too poor to give. But there's always somebody that's probably worse off than you. And if you got a sandwich, you don't need to eat the whole sandwich. You want to bless somebody with the other half. Faith will say, okay, if God bless me with this sandwich, if I share it with somebody else, God know I got to eat again. I, I'm not going to act like the same God that provided this sandwich can't get me another one if I share. I'm believing if I share it, he's going to make sure I'm blessed that I can have more than what I share. But you got to believe that by faith. You got to believe that, that God can meet your needs. And when you understand that, then you won't have a problem being generous with other people when you see people in a worse state than you are. A lot of times people that are, you know, in order to be generous, you got to know how to open your hand. Because some people, when the Lord blesses you, squeeze your hand, and you don't know how to open it up to share with nobody. Because it becomes yours, and you don't realize what the source of it is, because we forget that everything that we got belongs to God. I mean, that's what the Bible says. And so because we believe that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, and everything belongs to him, if he is my resource and he is the source of all my, what I belong, then all I got to do is know how to deal with him in order to make sure that he supply my every need. And I got to trust him for that. But see, sometimes you got that mentality that you're going to keep your fist closed. It's like the kid who put his hand in the can the jar. And if he had just took one jelly bean at a time, he could have got them all. But he wanted to get a fist full, and he couldn't get his hand out of the jar because he wouldn't open up his hand. And see, sometimes you got to see yourself as a conduit that God want to use to channel things through you, not a reservoir where you're going to let it stop and all it's going to do is pile up on you. Oh, I, hope, I know I'm going to get quiet with that. We're talking to the Corinthians. We ain't talking to striving now. So don't y'all take this personal. <laughs> just, just, just say, he talking to the Corinthians. Amen. Because y'all get mighty quiet right here because we're talking about generous, being generous, being kind and considerate and generous toward others. Because we believe that whatever you do for one, the Lord will do for you. That this law of reciprocity, whatever goes out will come, come back to you. And so now look, he says this. They are being tested by many troubles. Some of us ain't got that many troubles in our lives right now. Not no, you know, some of us don't have financial trouble. Now, some of y'all may have financial troubles. I mean, you're living from check to check. You got more money left than you got money. Then you need some counseling. Amen. If you don't know how to manage your money and you're running out of money before the month run out, you need to go sit down with somebody and teach you how to budget. Y'all all say amen. If y'all all got it like that, y'all, I'm talking to y'all friends now. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to something you need to share with your friend. They need to know how to budget their money. Amen. And I guarantee you, if you let me see your checking account or however you spend your money, your app that you spend money on, I will tell you what you love based upon where your money go. Your heart follow your money, or your money go where your heart go. Oh, I know y'all didn't want to hear that. <laughs> but, uh, 
So, so what I'm trying to tell you is that as a believer, God's people should not be in financial trouble. Amen. Now, we don't all been there. I, I mean, I was young in the military when I first got saved. I didn't know nothing about budgeting. I didn't know about, you know, how to save money. How to, my granddaddy taught me to save, but I didn't know how to save and stop spending at the same time. And so, therefore, you know, you had a tendency to just buy more than you need just because you had it. To, you could do it. And so what helped me was when I started going to church and started learning about tithing, because I didn't start off tithing. I was tight. I just couldn't. It didn't make no sense to me. You just can't give God 10%. $10 out of 100 and think I can live just as good off the 90. I can live off 98 better than I can. 90, say, God, you're going to get the two. And just give my testimony. So what happened was, I made, I think I had made, just made master sergeant. I was always saving off every pay rate. I said, okay, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to start tithing. But when I did the math, the numbers hurt me. I couldn't see myself giving away that much money. My natural mind said, that just don't make sense that you're going to give that much money away. So then what I did, I said, okay, I'm going to try it. But what tithing taught me is how to make so much money. Because once I started doing that, I started looking where I was spending everywhere else, saying, wow, I go to the commissary and I buy half of the stuff I buy, my kids throw away. I'm wasting money on all them oranges and apples. They ain't even but six a week. I ain't buying a bag no more. I'm buying six. And so it taught me to start looking where I was wasting money. And again, back in the day, before we had, you know, Netflix and all that good stuff y'all got down, we had to go to Blockbuster and get these DVDs, these things, these big old cassette players on the weekend. You know, and them folks didn't care if you didn't look at it. They want their thing back by, by the weekend. And I, we used to go get four and five of them and only look at one of them. And now I don't waste all that money when I say, okay, now guess what? We ain't getting but one at a time. Y'all look at that, we'll go back and get another one. So it taught me to discipline myself because I guarantee you, if you just sit down and look at where you put your money, I guarantee most of y'all waste money and don't even think about it. Waste money. Just leave lights on in your house that shouldn't be on. Waste money. Amen. Overcook stuff that you throw half of it away. Waste money. Amen. And so what I'm trying to tell you, at some point in time, if God has blessed you, he expects you to be a good steward over what he has given you. And so when we understand this principle of being a good steward over what God has blessed us with, then when it's time for us to be generous to help somebody else, we'll have something to help somebody with. But you can't do nothing for nobody if you broke. I know that's tough to say in church on a Wednesday night. I know, I know that's tough. But ain't none of y'all broke, so y'all should have said amen. Now, if you broke, you need to come see me because we need some counseling. Amen. Because that is not God's best for you to be broke. And he has blessed you with a job. Somebody need to teach you how to manage your money and show you where you're wasting it. Because if not, you'll get in a habit and you'll have more credit cards than you got money. Online, I know it's somebody, ain't nobody in here, but somebody out there online, I guarantee you, if I could just look at your credit cards, I mean, I bet you got about five or six of them maxed out, making $10 a month payments on them, paying 28% interest on $10 a month payment. You don't owe them but $300, but it's going to take you five years to pay them off. Something wrong. You just got to stop eating out for about three months. Cooking will save you some money. Amen. Man or woman, it's worth it for you to learn how to cook. 
All right, y'all don't want to hear that. Okay. Y'all all doing all right. But these folk was, Major, what did they say? They were very what? Very poor. But they were also filled with abundance of joy. How can you be poor and have joy? I mean, that don't make no sense. Sound like an oxymoron. Poor, and they got joy. So, obviously, money is not supposed to be the source of your If money becomes the source of your joy, it may become the source of your love also. And the Bible makes it clear, for the love of money, people would do all kinds of stuff. Amen. He didn't say money was evil or bad, but you can't love it. It make a good slave, but a poor master. If money drives you and motivates you to do what you do, then guess what? You're going to always be chasing it because you're never going to be satisfied and you're going to never feel like you got to know. And so what he says here, man, these folks were poor, but they had an abundance of joy which has overflowed in rich generosity. Poor, their joy has overflowed, and now out of their poverty, they want to help somebody else. And see, sometimes... When you think you don't have enough to share, that's the time when you got to trust God. These folks could have easily said, hey, we too poor, we ain't going to take part. Just let them folks back in Jerusalem figure it out for themselves. But every now and then, you got to believe that if you trust God, you can understand what the Bible says. It is far better to be able to give than it is to receive. That, I know that don't make sense to, to our natural mind, but that's what he said. It's better to be. See, I, I done been on both sides of that coin. The receiving side and the giving side. And the giving side is a whole lot better. Amen. Man, I, I done been there in the military. Now, I ain't never been on food stamps. I guess when I was in the military, I just had too much pride. I wasn't going to get no food stamps. You know, <laughs> We eat Roman noodles before I go, before, you know, we eat them noodles before I go get some food. Damn, I just wasn't going. And at that time, being in the military, it was just embarrassing if you had to. But now they got it on base. They, they make it. It's okay. I shouldn't have thought like that. If I needed them, I should have went and got them. I should have figured out how to budget my money a little bit better. But at that time, food stamps had a bad reputation to you, you know. So just, no, I cannot see some, let my friends see me. Then it was no food stamp. Ain't going to work. Now, I survived, but I survived because eventually I learned how to manage what God had given me. And what I'm trying to tell you here, if you're going to ever be generous and you're going to have abundance of joy, you can't let money control you, but you've got to see money as a tool that you can use to bless yourself, bless your family, and be a blessing to others. Can I get a half amen right there? You know, you know, we ain't gonna take up no offering tonight. Don't worry about this. This ain't lead to no offering. Ain't no offering coming up at the end, so y'all can relax. Got a person. Come on, man. Just let's talk. So, uh, so how did you get to systematic tithing? So you, you started there, or did it take time to, like, no matter how much money you made, ten yes. percent was. It's systematic. How did you get to that point? Or what made you get to that point? Okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you. I, I kind of felt bad how I was treating God because my vice when I got saved was I liked to gamble. I liked to bet on football game, basketball game, any kind of game they, were, they was having, I was betting on. I used to love to go. I used to leave church in between Sunday school and service and go gamble and come back to church to catch the preaching. So I loved that. That was recreation to me. I sit up late at night studying numbers and odds and spreads, over and unders. I mean, I, it was mathematics. And I loved it. But one day I was doing that, and I said, man, I just went and lost $100. And I came back and put $5 in church. I just got convicted by it. I said, okay, God, then I'm going to stop gambling. I'm going to stop gambling, and I'm going to start giving. Now, the first thing I gave, it wasn't no money, but the church, it was during Christmas, and, and, and they needed some oranges. So the, so the Spirit told me then, I guess it was Spirit, 
take the money you're going to gamble with and you go buy all the oranges for the Christmas program. That's what I did. And eventually, I started giving more. I wasn't tithing because that 10% was still kind of frightening, you know, because I didn't just cold turkey stop gambling. I just started cutting back. And so eventually, I said one day, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you with the tithe, and I'm going to start giving 10%. And I'm going to give my 10% off the top because the only reason I got a gross center net is because the government don't trust me. They get theirs off the top. So I'm going to start doing it your way. Once I did that, and I found out we could still eat, I could still pay my car notes, and I was doing all right, then what I did then, the next time when I made my next strike, I said, what I'm going to do, I'm not going to spend not one penny of this next strike. I'm just tired off of it, but I'm going to save the rest of it. So when I made master sergeant, I still lived like I was a tech sergeant. And everything that came in that master sergeant raise went in a savings account. Went in a savings account. And then I started tithing. When I made senior, I started living like a master sergeant, and everything I made as a senior went in the savings account. And so then I got the confidence up that now, when I made senior, I had the faith now to increase that 10% to what a senior master sergeant made. Then when I made chief, it was automatic. I was going to give it. And so tithing is the last frontier for folk because it's hard to get your money out of you unless you're spending on you. Y'all remember what I say, man, come on now. Come on. It, it, you know y'all keep saying, it's, God is invisible. He ain't getting it. They getting it. <laughs> I, I, I feel you. I know where you come from. I was there. But that don't negate the fact that God expects us to give to support the kingdom. And he expects us to trust him in that area of our life. How can you, you want to trust him for everything else? Why can't you trust him for, you trust him for healing, you trust him for all that, but then now you can't trust him for finances? Last testimony, I remember my daughter, she got out of college. She was like one of those college students, got out with a degree, came in the Air Force as a little officer, but while she was in college, everybody in the world gave her a credit card. She came in the Air Force full of debt, full of debt. So bad in debt, they said, you know, you're an officer, man, you just can't, you can't have a reputation if you can't pay your bill because, you know, that can affect your security clearance. Because when people know you're in debt, you can be bought. So now she go to a counselor to help her with her finances. And I'll never forget it. She told her, line up all your bills, line everything you make. She lined it up before she spent her money out of there. She put down tithing. The first thing he told her to cut, stop tithing. Didn't tell her to stop taking care of herself. Oh, you need, you, need to, you need to feel good about yourself, so you ought to have a line item where you buy yourself something every month. And then you need some eat out money. Because you got to make yourself feel good on the weekend. So you budget to spend money going out. She called me and said, Dad, what should I do? Don't eat out. Stop buying clothes every month. Because you don't need no clothes and you got enough food home. But don't stop tithing. Don't stop tithing. I don't care what he say. Don't stop tithing. You trust God. Today she's a SES for the government making way more than a captain was making. But she never stopped time. Most people that's going to counsel you in the natural don't think this tithing thing ought to be factored into your life. They're going to say stop doing that first before you start cutting stuff that you don't need. And that's going to appeal to your flesh because, oh, there's a new style out. They know it. But you don't need the new style right now. You're almost broke. They got the new iPhone 17 coming. You, your 13 is still good. That's discipline. So when you're trying to get your finances in order, you can't get the newest and the greatest of everything that come out if you're broke. If you're not saving. My granddaddy taught me that principle before I would even know it was tithing. I'm going to move on. He said, my granddaddy was a saver. He used to always say, man, you make a dollar, save a dime. I ain't know he was talking about tithing, but that's what he used to always drill in our head. And granddaddy, once he put his money in the bank, it wasn't coming out. He would go borrow money before he'd take his money out of the bank and let his money sit there and continue to make interest, and he'll borrow money against his money. 
And he didn't have no education. But his granddad was a pretty smart dude because in the end, it paid off for him. And so when he taught me that principle about giving and stuff like that, then I remember all those things and say, man, my granddaddy never went hungry. We never went hungry. We never lacked anything. But he was a generous giver. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that you got to get in the mindset that if you trust God in all areas of, life, of your life, he will bless you in all areas of your life. This was a small church. This was a poor church. But they trusted God enough that they want to give even though they could not afford it. But far more, and they did it of their own free. They didn't have to be tricked or coerced or manipulated into giving. It was their own free will. And that's what you got to get to your heart and say, hey, look, I understand that giving is a part of worship. And when I come to church, whether the pastor get up and read the scripture, ask for it or not, I, that's my act of worship. And it's of my own free will because God said he would rather it be of your own free will than for you to do it grudgingly or of necessity because your heart is not right. And so you're going to have to learn, like this church did, you're going to have to learn to trust God in all areas of your life, especially in the area of your finances. And I hope I kind of answered your question with a lot of words that made you talk about my story and how I got there. My daughter, I always share her testimony because... You can do this without robbing God. And she did it. And so she's doing all right now. So, so this church did it of their own free will. Look here. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Man, they saw it as a privilege. Now, let's talk about that. How do you see giving as a privilege? In your own mind, he said, look, these folks were poor, but because they were able to give, they saw it as a privilege to be able to give to the little church over in Jerusalem, even though we are not much bigger than they are, but we see this as a... I guarantee you most folks that come to church don't see giving as a... Say the word. Y'all say it with me. Say it. Can y'all can get it out? Come on, let's, go, let's have a little bit. Can you say privilege? Privilege. <laughs> we want to be privileged in everything else. Rights and privileges. We'll be privileged when it comes to. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Let me move on. I'm going to just read on. He ain't talking to y'all. He's talking to the Corinthians. Amen. So y'all have some fun with me here, because I know anytime you talk about money in the church, people start squirming, squirming, and then see, you know, they get squirming. And it shouldn't be that way. God blesses you to be a blessing. Amen. Now, he's not calling you to be a fool and let people take advantage of you, but this is how you got to look at that, because I know sometimes you can't control what people do with the gift once you give it to them. Your heart got to be right when you give it. So if they go out and waste it, you got to still feel like, hey, I did what God wanted me to do. But if you're giving it with the wrong motivation and then they go and use it for something other than what they told you, now you're going to be mad at the person. So your thing is to say, if God told me to give this homeless guy $5 on the way home and he got, I need to eat on his sign. And the spirit tell me just stop and give him $5 and I'll see him going in the store coming out with a 40 now I'm sitting there, I should have kept my father. No. Once I gave it the gift, it was his. He could do whatever he wanted with it. And so therefore, that's what we got to understand. Some of y'all don't waste your mama's and daddy's money. They gave it to you, and you decide you're just going to do whatever you want with it. Amen? Not all of y'all, I just said some, right? Okay, so, so he's saying, now look, they... They saw it as a privilege to share in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Look at this. Verse 5. They even did more than we hoped for. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. In other words, they saw themselves as an offering to the Lord. And to, 
to us just as God wanted them to do it. So when it comes to doing something that God wants us to do, you got to look at it as I'm making this sacrifice because God has called me to make the sacrifice. And so now, first of all, i got to realize that I don't belong to myself anymore. So once I give myself to the Lord, then now I see myself as a vessel that God want to use. And I'm not, let's get off the money piece for now. But some of you got the same thing. You're blessed with gifts and talents that God done bless you with. That you can do things that come easy to you where other people got to struggle and work hard at it and it just comes natural to you. That's a gifting that God has blessed you with. And he is not blessing you with that gift for you to just hold on to it just for you. You have been given those gifts and talents so that you can use them to bless somebody else with. Whatever that gift or that talent is. And so what we got to see is that when we see ourselves as belonging to God, then everything that God wants to do in the earth, he wants to do it through you. Amen. You're supposed to be a vessel of honor in his hands that he can use to accomplish what he wants to in the earth. So now look at this. Say they did more than we expected because they gave themselves. Now look at this, verse 6, he says, So we urge Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place. Talk to the Corinthians now. Titus had went there and he encouraged them to start giving. To return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of... So giving is a ministry. He said, now, y'all started this. Y'all done stopped and got slack." Now I'm sending Titus back because he was there when y'all started. And see, sometimes I said earlier that many of you know people who are starters, but they're not finishers. Start something, don't finish it. Start fixing this, don't finish it. Start going to do this, don't finish it. You know people, some of your supervisors in the Air Force, you got little young troops, start something. And don't nothing frustrate you more than a person who is not a, a finisher. Oh, Lord, he got quiet. I'm saying y'all got truth. None of y'all, all y'all, I'm giving y'all the benefit of the doubt. By virtue of the fact that you're here on a Wednesday night where you could be doing something else, I'm going to believe you got some finishing grace on you. Amen? amen. So y'all agree with me and say amen. We're just talking about y'all friends who are not here. And when you go to work last, tomorrow, you can say, you know, I got a wonderful lesson in Bible study. I'm supposed to show you how to be a finisher. Because you got untapped potential. You can do some great things, but you just need to be taught and encouraged to finish what you. Those of you in the military, I'm telling you, people who supervise you and over you, they pay attention to how you finish not how you start. And if you're a finisher, the gifts and the rewards you're looking for, it'll come to you. It'll come to you. But if you ain't a finisher, you can't get mad. What they give now on EPR? They give, what, three still? One, three through five, one through five? That's the system that still they're using, one through five? Five being the best one? Yeah. You know, you sitting there with a three, you ain't no finisher. You ain't got nothing to get mad. Just look at you. ain't a finisher. Now, I know they may put quotas on you now. You can't get away with so many fires. But look here. You shouldn't be average. Something on the inside of you ought to cause you to want to be more than just average. In any aspect, in anything you do. Man, nothing frustrates me more when I'm dealing with my, my grandkids, even my kids, when they start something and don't finish. And sometimes you have to encourage them. If you're going to start it, finish it. Finish it. So he was pleased that these people finished in the old, younger church, the little church, but now he had to go back and encourage them to finish what you started. Finish this ministry of giving. Now look at this. He says in verse 7, since you excel... In so many ways. Now look at this. This church was gifted. They had talent. They, they, they had gifts. They had, if you read 
early on in, 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 in 1 Corinthians, you see all the gifts that this church had. So he said, now look here, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, I mean, you claim you got more faith than everybody. Your faith is stronger. Your first faith is greater. Man, y'all excel talking that faith talk. You excel. You excel in your gift, gifted speakers. In other words, you got orators there. They know how to lay out this word. They know how to present it. They know how to talk it. They know how to do all the things. They can pontificate with the best of them. You got gifted speakers there. And y'all excel in that. Then he said, you excel in knowledge. Man, y'all know more. Man, y'all smart people. Y'all got knowledge. You even excel in your major, he said, enthusiasm. We always talk about the here striving. That's one of our main words, enthusiasm. I mean, we don't excel in nothing else here. We ought to excel in because we're humble before the Lord, obedience to the Lord, maternal, you know, and in. We ought to excel in that. He says, even you excel in your love for us. Man, you, y'all excel in your love for us. But then he says, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of Speak in tongue, lay hand on the sick, do it all, but you're stingy. <laughs> Won't give 10 cents off a dollar. Won't give 10 cents off a dollar. You excel. Your car got rims on the property that can pay for half of the stuff in this church. I'm just joking, I'm just joking. You excel. Some of y'all excel in a whole lot of other things. Some of y'all can sing. You can do all of that. He said, look, excel in your whole ministry, not just part. So you got to excel in the giving part. Now, I can stand here and talk about giving boldly because I wouldn't excel in nothing or tell somebody to do something I don't do. Because once I started giving, I understand the principle. So I'm not saying this just to be saying it or to try to get you to give. Because if your heart don't change, you'll be giving for the wrong reason anyway. But I just want you to know that, hey, you can trust God in this area of your life. And so he's saying, now look, he don't have any problem with you have all these other gifts. Prophecy, you can do all that and excel at that. But see this as a ministry also. Because when you see it as a ministry, that ministry can be used to bless others. Now look at this. Settle down. Because I'm right here. Let me read this for you. Verse 8. I am not commanding you to do this. Pastor Bold ain't twisting nobody on. Y'all better start. No. I'm, I'm just sharing with you a principle that's in the Bible that I believe in. And so because I believe so strongly, I get passionate when I talk about it, and I'm not afraid to talk about it because I'm not going to beg you to do something you don't want to do. And I'm not going to tell you, you better do this. The Holy Spirit got to deal with you in that area of your life. Like I tell people all the time, giving is the last frontier. We can believe God for a whole lot of other stuff, but when it comes to giving, put the brakes on. Amen. I know what I'm talking about. Been there, done that. So what he's saying now, we got to excel in this gracious act of giving. He said, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the, the eagerness of the other churches. Now he kind of put him kind of give him out. Look here. He's saying, look, what you love, you invest in. What you love. You may, so he said, if you say you got genuine love for God, then you ought to be investing some of your love in him. What you love, you in. Just look at your own life. I'm telling you, the things that you hold near and dear, you invest in. Whether you invest your time in it, whether you invest your talent in it, or whether you invest your resources in it. The things that you love, you invest in. And so he's saying, now look, there's nothing wrong with that. But he said, I'm testing and see how genuine you are. Because he wants them to give from the right heart. He wants that motivation to be right. And so now, let me ask you this. Y'all just play this drill in y'all head right now. Because most of you young enough, you can do this. 
just see your income statement and how you sit down and pay your bills, whether online, auto pay, whatever, and see where they go. See where your money goes. You know, there are some folks that sit probably under the sound of my voice, not here tonight, that probably got a $400 cable bill a month. Or they, got, or they, got, they done got them joysticks now, them fire sticks and all them other things now. So they, they done figured out how to beat the cable system. So we, we ain't going to give Cox that much money. We're going we gonna to go get us some sticks and we're going to get us some other stuff, some Roku's, and we're going to make all this stuff work, but we ain't giving Cox the money. So now when you found out that saving by going to Roku and all that, what did you do with the rest? Did you save it? Or did you put it somewhere else where your love is at? Brother Mike? Yeah, I remember a few years ago, Pastor, you, you probably can remember what time. You um, preached a sermon, and you were talking to the church about those who have never tithed. That um, if God do meet your need, you give your tithes, and God did not meet your need, then the church is going to return the tithes. You made a demand to the church. But we never found out whether the, there was anybody who really feels get their needs met or anything of that nature. So we don't know how that came up. Yeah, okay, I remember that. So we were teaching a lesson here, yeah, that was several years ago on tithing, and I challenged our church. I said, you know, you would never find a church in America that's willing to give you your money back after you gave it to them. Hey, that just don't happen. So I said, I tell you what, I want you for one month to just trust God with your tithe. Whatever that is, that 10%, whatever that you trust him with it. And if at the end of the month you can't pay your bills, we'll give your tithes back to you so you can pay your bills. Now, whether or not people trust or not, I don't know, but nobody came and got the money back. And so I'm believing that there were some people who started to trust God a little bit more. Now, maybe they were afraid that I done gave it, now I am scared to go get it. I wish I could have got about 20 of it back, but then nobody came and got it back. They could have thought about it. But I was, we was willing to do that because that's just how much I believe and I trust God when it comes to finances. And so what you got to see, at some point in time, you got to trust God in those areas of your life and you got to do it with eagerness. You, you, you got to do it with some enthusiasm. You got to be excited about, man, giving, man, when you got something to give, you ought to be shouting. Because you're in a better position for somebody out there who don't have nothing. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Help me right here. Let me, let me move on because I got to finish this. He said, now look at He says, in verse 9, he says, you know the generous grace of our Lord. So he used Jesus as an example for us, how Jesus gave all of himself, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty, we could be made, make, he could make you rich. Now, obviously, he ain't talking about Jesus died so you become a millionaire, but he was talking about rich in the things of God. Jesus had everything in heaven. He came down and divested himself of all the glory and all the stuff he had to put on flesh just like us, becoming poor just like us. But by us accepting him, in return, we get a rich inheritance that we wouldn't have without him. And so the thing you got to see here is that the things that you don't see is more important to you than the things that you do see. Because everything that you can see, feel, touch, and all that, when you leave here, it can't go with you. So I tell people, don't hoard it up unless you got some kids you're going to give it to, you're going to share it with somebody, because the minute you take your last breath, if you don't have a plan what you're going to do with it, it ain't going with you. Amen. And so when you understand that, then you say, okay, then now what God blessed me with, Fred, is a tool. I'm supposed to use it while I'm here, and then trust that by using what God has blessed me with, there's an inheritance waiting on me in heaven, because I do believe in heaven. 
And I do believe in eternal life. And the reason he got to say that like that, because a lot of these Greek philosophers did not believe in anything other than the natural life. So they live for just now because they believe that once they died, that was it. And if that's your mindset, you're going to live like that. You're going to do you right now. You know, live your best life ever right now. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But realizing that whatever you get that's material, you can't take it with you. And the minute you get it, most of it is going to be depreciated the minute you get it. There's certain things, assets you can have, but most of us, we put our resources in things that the minute we drive off the lot, it loses 20% in value. And some of us don't have a sense enough to say, hey, I don't need a brand new car. If I can give me one two years old or younger, a year, I let somebody else pay all the a depreciation fees and all that up front, and I get a better deal. But some of us probably, ooh, Joe got a new car. I got to go get me a new car too. Then you walk in there and say, well, you know, what my monthly payment going to be? Oh, yeah, y'all can make that. Yeah, but you, you paying 8% interest on it. I ain't knocking you for, not, for having a new car if you can afford one. But look here, some of the richest people in the world don't buy new. Don't buy new. Because they understand it's material. It's going to lose value. They put their money in things that appreciate and not things that depreciate. So some of y'all that's right here living in somebody else's apartment need to be trying to figure out how to buy you a house, townhouse, something. That's yours. So it'll work for you one day. Now, I used to teach this to our young military people years ago. I told them, man, why y'all around here paying somebody else $800, $1,000, $2,000 a month for rent? Go buy you a house. Go buy you a townhouse, something that's yours. And then when you leave here, let that work for you. Several of them did that, and they still got properties here right now. And they were number little airmen that they just believed I can go do this instead of paying somebody else that I'm going to do it. But now people don't want the responsibility of a house, so you go and pay somebody else when you can own that house, and that house will work for you. But if you don't think like that, you're going to put your money in stuff that as soon as you buy it, it's going to depreciate. Most of the time, unless the market busts, houses hold value. Amen. If you're going to spend $100,000 for a car, you ought to go before you spend $100,000 on a car and you ain't got no house, you need to spend $30,000 on a car and buy you a house, buy you some property. I know I ain't, I'm, I ain't making no sense to nobody. I'm just trying to help you right here because I think it's understandable. You can understand that Jesus died so that you can be not only live well here in the earth, but you got an inheritance in heaven, but you got to see some of that here in the earth. The church shouldn't be not be full of poor folks. Every game out there in the world got folk trying to live high. And then why when it comes to God's people, we think that God can't supply our needs and we don't trust him? Man, you ought to excel in your job. You ought to be the best at it. Every time a promotion comes around that you're eligible for, you ought to get it and believe that God wants you to have it. And then once you get it, you ought to say, okay, God, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give back to you because everything comes from you anyway. That's the mindset you got to have when it comes to trusting God in this area of life. And so what he was trying to get them to see is, hey, look, if you trust Jesus, you realize what he did for you. And then look now, in verse 10, he gets to the point. Here's my advice. I'm just going to give you some advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the, somebody say the first. Man, you were the first one who started this. You was the first who wanted to give. And you were the first to begin doing it. You started something that nobody else was doing, and you didn't even finish it, and other people came behind you and finished what you 
Start it. So I encourage you, be a finisher. I don't care what you're doing. Be a finisher. Man, just finish. Get it done. Finish. Especially if you start it. Now look at this. Verse 11. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning. You know, <laughs> we start a lot of things with eagerness. And, and, and realize that the eagerness is going to wear off. We get in relationship with eagerness. Just eager, eager, eager little beavers. But, you know, two years in, the eager, eager, eager is going to wear off. And what you going to do when the eager wear off? You better have something finishing on the inside of you that say this was more than just a joy ride. This was a lifelong commitment. Because if you don't have that finishing mindset, that's why people walk away from so many things right now. Now, I'm not telling nobody to stay in nothing that's jacked up, bad, and all that. But there are some people walking away from good relationships. Because they're not finishers. He said, last year you were the first to give. What, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched by your giving. Give in proportion to what you You give in, a, in proportion to the amount that you have. You don't try to outgive nobody else. That's why we can say God loves a cheerful giver because we give according to what he has blessed us with. The reason God's principle of giving the 10% works is because it makes all of us equal in one area when it comes to giving. So whether I make $2,000 a week and give $200, or you make $100 a week and give 10, in God's eye, we're all, all the same. All the same. So nobody can walk around and boast that I'm the big giver in the church. Well, you too much who's given, much is re required. So I can't boast because I can give more than somebody else. As long as they're giving what God has blessed them with, then God said all the same. But sometimes people think that because God has blessed them to give, that they are better than somebody who's giving the 10% off of a thousand versus 10% off 5,000 a month. And God's math is all the same. You know, I remember when I was a little boy coming to church. Now I look back at that uh, in my dad's new church. Every month they used to print the giving. And they, and they put it up on the wall. And you get a letter in the mail showing you what everybody gives. And I used to always, why in the world are they doing that? And now as I grew older, I knew what they was doing. They were shaming Major. Because Major, no, he got a decent job. And he see Bolden giving 500, and he ain't giving but five. Major look at that and say, man, I look bad on paper. Now, that was their way of trying to get people to give when you shouldn't have to do that. You ought to teach people to give, and once they've been taught to give, they ought to trust God with it. So that's why we don't play no games with your money, right? You won't get me sitting here trying to play games with y'all to trick you out to give and get in this line and get it. I don't, I don't do that. I'm going to teach you what the Bible say and then trust the word. Because look here. He says now, he just wanted them to finish and he wants them to give in proportion. So when you do it that way, you don't have to compete with other people and think that, you know, they give it. You'll be surprised. Some of the people that drive the best stuff and wear the best stuff are the cheapest folks in the church when it comes to giving. You can't, you can't judge this part of the spirit by what you see people wear. All right. Nope. There are some people who are living on fixed income. Don't get nothing but a social security check and a little retirement check. And they give more than some people who got six-figure jobs. So he want us to give in, somebody say proportion. And the good thing about that, it's just a matter of, that's you only talking to you. Your proportion ain't mine, my proportion ain't yours. You're just talking to 
Let me move on. Let me move on. Let me get on. I got to get out of this. I wasn't supposed to stand to give me. We're going to shift here and talk about his companions in a minute. He says, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly, with the right heart, with the right spirit. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. In other words, if you know you're not going to pay your credit card off, don't PayPal us off your credit card, your tithes and offering. And if you're going to be paying 28% on interest on it for the whole year. That is not a good deal. I know a lot of young people now don't give checks and cash them or they do everything on the app and all that. That's okay. But look here. If you're going to pay your tithe to this church on a monthly basis, pay it off. Don't pay tithe and then have to pay 28% interest on the $100 that you gave. Because you're going to take five months to pay it off. Now that $100 you gave is going to cost you another $28. Because you didn't pay it. I tell people all the time, when you get to the point you can't, your credit card ought to work for you. You ought to pay the debt off every time it come in. You should never carry a balance on it. It's just you, keeping you from having to pay cash. And you can leverage your credit card by having cash sometimes. You can go to place, I go to place and say, look, if you don't want to pay the 5% fee for me using my American Express card, because American Express is going to charge that company 5% when I use it. Well, I tell you what, I will give you $95 cash for the same thing instead of giving you $100 on the credit card, you got to pay $105 for it. They take the $95, say thank you very much. So I don't save myself $5 because I leveraged my cash. But now cash, you know, people don't use cash that much, but cash is still king. Amen. And so what I'm trying to tell you, there's ways that you can look at how those of you in the military, I, and, I, and I'm guilty of this, because I don't do it. Every, almost everything in this city give military discounts. Everything. And those of us who are old, we can get double, because we can get the old folk discount and the military discount. But a lot of times, because we don't know that, we go in there and pay full price for something that we can get a discount on. All because we just don't want to ask questions. I don't want that. No, hey, you take military discount? Yeah. That hammer you finna buy, you got a discount with it from military? Yeah. This is things that people learn and know, and all those little discounts add up. Amen. Okay, let me read on. We're going to get through this. He says, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have and what you, not what you don't have. He said, now look, of course, I don't mean you giving, uh, your giving should be like making life easy for others and hard for yourself. In other words, don't let folks take advantage of you when it comes to giving. You're not giving to make life hard for you and easy for somebody else. So you can't look at it like that. I only mean that 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 there should be some equity when you give. That's all he's trying to say. Right now, you have plenty and can help those that are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you are in need. In, these way, in this way, things will be equal. And so in Paul's mindset was that everybody may go through some hard times, but if everybody understands that we help each other out, when I hit hard times, you can help me when you hit hard times, I can help you. That was the mindset that he wanted the church folks to operate in. As the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. He's talking about in the Old Testament when the people were in the wilderness, and God fed them every day with manna, come, bread coming down from heaven. And he told them, every day you go out there and you trust me, and you get enough for one day whatever you need. Those who didn't trust God thought they'd get enough for two days and everything that they got over spoiled. And so what I'm trying to tell you, so sometimes you got to say, okay, I'm going to trust God because I'm not going to be greedy and think that the same God that fed me today, he can't feed me tomorrow. 
So therefore, I hoard up and think that it ain't going to come back around when it will. Like I tell you, there's some good sales out there. But look, this is something that I learned from the Japanese. They don't believe in keeping a lot of inventory on the shelves, their money in inventory. Meaning that if you don't need to go and buy a 24-roll of paper towels and it's going to take you six months to use them, and you done tied that money up for six months when you could have just got six of them and then put that other money somewhere else, it's rather for, it's rather for you to do that than to be looking at inventory right down the shelf because they see everything on your shelf as money that you don't waste it, that you're waiting to use and you may not do it. We do the same thing with food. That's why we have to throw away stuff because we let it stay in the freezer too long. We buy too, too much. When I was overseas, those folks used to buy daily. They went to the market every day and they got enough to eat for that day. So they didn't have to worry about having stuff that's spoiled and they have to throw it away. Because when they throw it away, they're throwing away money. Did that make sense? Okay, let's, let me read on. Now he's just going to talk about Titus, so this is going to be quick. It don't take long to get through with this. He says now, he started talking about Titus and his companions coming back. He says, now look, in verse 16, but thank God he has given Titus the same enthusiasm for you that I have. Titus, welcome our request that he visit you again, because he was the one that started y'all to give him. In fact, he himself was very eager to go and see you. So he's saying, look, Titus is coming back. He started this process with you guys a year ago, so he's going to come back and encourage you again, just like he encouraged you the first time. Now look at this. We are, we are also sending another brother with Titus. All the churches praise him as a preacher of God's word. So whoever this guy they were sending was a man of God. And again, Paul was doing this for accountability. And a lot of times when you're dealing with money in an organization, there got to be accountability. You know, in any organization, like here, I don't care if you're in a little savings club, you ought to have more than one person that can sign the checks. You know, here's striving, don't no check leave out of here without signatures on it. More than one. We don't keep petty cash around. Everything that we give out to people can leave, will leave in a check. Because we're going to be able to trace where everything goes. When you give, we're going to try our best to keep up with every penny you give us, and we're going to have a record of where it's at. So if you should ever ask us, what happened to that? Well, here's the checks. Let's take a look. Oh, it was in that right there. Because when it comes to that, money often will corrupt people if they don't have good morals. Amen. And so therefore, I believe that people got to be held accountable. And as a church, we should be held accountable for what you give because we say we want to be good stewards over it. So he was, verse 19, he was appointed by churches to accompany us as we take the offering to Jerusalem. As we take this money, in other words, we're going to have a buddy system. One guy going to carry it. A service that glorifies the Lord and show our eagerness to help. Then he says, we are traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way we are handling this generous gift. People still in churches. You know, uh, every month I get a, a little news alert, what they call churches alert, to tell you what's going on in the church world. And every, every, every month there's something on there about somebody embezzling in the church. Now, it's designed to tell us about what we should be doing for taxes, how we should be doing this and all that stuff to keep us out of trouble with the IRS. But they also say, hey, look, there's a lot of stealing going on in these churches, and you need to be aware of it. So we have to have safeguards to protect your resources. So we count money right here, two or three people counting. No one person going to do that. Now, we love everybody, but in God we trust. But everybody else you got to check out thoroughly. <laughs> now, I trust the people who do that for us. I ain't throwing no shade at them like that. But, but they know we got a two-man policy. Amen. They've been doing it for years, so I, 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 I totally trust them. Even if they had to do it by themselves, I trust them. 
But to make you comfortable, you ought to know that more than one person handle your resources when it comes into the ministry. We don't have little shoe boxes with your tithes and offering them. No. <laughs> we don't keep it. Soon as y'all give it, it going to a bank somewhere. So it can be accounted for. Now, the reason I laugh is that because when I, I was in the church, that's how they did it. Deke carried the money home with him after they counted it, and then he may put it in the bank, he may not. That ain't how you do God's business. And so people got to feel comfortable and they got to have confidence when they're giving their money. He said, now look, verse 23, he says, if anyone asks about Titus, say that he is my partner who works with me to help you. And the brothers with him have been sent by the churches, and they bring honor to Christ. In other words, these are trustworthy guys that's bringing the offering to you, and so uh, uh, are coming for the collection, and when they take it, you don't have to worry about them stealing it on the way back to Jerusalem. Whatever you give, they're going to get back to the right place. And then the last thing you say, show them your love and prove all the churches that are boasting about you is justified. So he said, you Corinthians, I've been telling everybody out there about y'all. Y'all started this thing a year ago. Y'all were the first to do it, and y'all were the first to want to see it done, but you didn't finish. And I've been telling everybody how good a church you are, as are, but now I'm encouraging you to go ahead and finish. So all that, those things I've been saying about you in this area of your giving and all that, that it will be true. And I didn't just boast about your giving and things. And so when we look at this, Paul was just trying to encourage this church that was able to, to give, but more so to just keep their word. Let's, let's get off money for now. Let's forget about that. Look at this in life as we finish up. Not about your word when it comes to you giving money, but just think about your word when you're going to do anything. The principle is still the same. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Because it's yours to do or not do. And it's better for you not to say anything if you know you're not going to finish it than to start it and you know you're not going to get it done. And so, those of you who are young enough, I hope you're already finishing and all I'm doing is encouraging you to keep running the way you're running. But if you know it's just the area that you're weak in in your life, ask God to give you finishing grace, man. That, Lord, whatever I put my hand to the plow, I'm not going to look back. I'm going to stay focused on what you called me to do, and I'm going to finish it and give the glory to you. And that's what we got to do. Those of you who got small kids, you, man, your kids ought to see you as being a finisher. You got friends, you got cousins and stuff that look up to you. Man, they got to see that you're a finisher and that you can do what you say you're going to do. Are there any questions? Any questions before we let you go? Any questions? I know this was a tough lesson, but Paul was just trying to reinforce that generosity. And we're going to talk about kindness connected to that here probably in the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk a lot about kindness so you can see how God expects us to be that kindness in the earth.